Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and true fact, this podcast also takes place in the 1800s. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. A woman king? What's next? A woman president? <laughs> and, and Jeff Kanata. This isn't Sparta! (laughs) (laughs) Those are, of course, all very oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing The Woman King, uh, the new film starring Viola Davis, uh, directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood. I'm really excited to chat with you guys about this film. It was number one at the box office, 20 million bucks, baby. Hell yeah. It's great. yeah, uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Now, before we get on with the episode and talk about what we've been watching before moving on into our Woman King review, I do want to call out a couple things. First of all, last week, guys, I just want to say I thought that was possibly one of our most entertaining episodes ever <laughs> I, I really hate to toot i really hate hate tooting my own horn you know uh-huh. i hate to toot our horn collectively yeah. as, as well. for as yeah. often as you toot it uh it's really odd that you hate it that much but you know <laughs> it's true the tooting is such a reprehensible act you're you know a rampant tutor is what it is i'm, I'm a yes i'm a, a or a rampooter i think is what they're called <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, I really, really enjoyed recording last week's episode and had a lot of fun and, um, people really came out in droves on the, uh, on our new YouTube channel or our reinvented YouTube channel at youtube.com slash slash filmcast, uh, to watch the video version. Now, usually our video versions are not as lively. We can't promise, you know, that much activity in every single video version, but, uh, but people really came out in droves and, and supported us there as well. So, uh, I, I thought I could read a, a sampling of comments from the YouTube you're, channel. The thing that I like about you, Dave, is that as soon as you're done tooting, you, you, then you just you really just put the expectation right back down. We're not going to uh, guarantee that, is, that we do mm-hmm. anything entertaining ever again. Oh, no. no, no, no. Let me just I mean, uh, toot and then let me promote here, and, then me, let me, and let me yeah. undermine. That's yeah. what I'll do. That's the three <laughs> stages of this, this, right is, this is very much a, like my philosophy is like. When I'm I'm selling you a car, like I'm the kind of person that will tell you everything that's wrong with the car. You know, like that's yeah. my I, I lead with that because I like to underpromise and overdeliver. You know, no, what you did though is you're like uh, the car we sold last week is the best car of all time. Yes, a- incredible uh, car, mm-hmm, incredible mm-hmm. car. And if you want to buy more cars, head over to our car lot right over here. Mm-hmm. Don't expect any of the cars to be good ever again. Though that's true. It's hundred <laughs> percent accurate. It's hundred percent accurate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Gary writes on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash slash filmcast. If YouTube's entire existence was simply to watch the summer movie wager results, it was worth the effort. I laughed. I cried. I laughed some more. After over a decade of depending on the filmcast through some of my worst years, seeing you all in person lighting each other up over nonsense was priceless. End quote. So lovely messages. A lot of of messages like that. And you know, uh, you know, this end game leads us, Dave. Uh, where does do, it lead us, Jeff? Kanova? It leads us to doing uh, all the entire episode on video from now on. That's yeah, yeah. that's where Perhaps. it leads us. Perhaps keep my shirt on for the whole episode. Yeah, it's not not <laughs> yeah. pretty. <laughs> Christian writes in. I've been hearing this podcast since 2016, and this is the first time I've seen these guys' faces. My brain is shocked and confused. It's really weird how you put faces to voices, and then when you see the actual faces, it doesn't much match. A kind of uncanny valley feeling all the way through the episode. 
All that aside, really good podcast as usual. <laughs> love our fans. That's, love love that's our not fans. how Uncanny Valley works, but okay. All right. I think we need to change the cover art to to just that picture of our faces so people know. <laughs> mm-hmm. We look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite a shock. Quite a shock yeah. of the system. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, you can watch us uh, and we post our, our reviews on YouTube at youtube.com slash slash filmcast. And we hope you'll join us over there. Uh, as well as uh, some clips from the After Dark uh, that we post on there as well. So trying out some things and uh, looking forward to seeing how it evolves in the days to come. In all sincerity, it, it really was cool to see how many people commented and, and enjoyed the uh, what we will call uh, the, the slow motion car accident that was our <laughs> summer movie wager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, indeed. Sometimes failure is entertaining, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you can also email us you know, in addition to contacting us through the YouTube comments, you can also email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. And I wanted to read this email from Mike from Ottawa, Canada. Usually I forward you guys these emails at slashfilmcast@gmail.com, but like sometimes I like to spring one on you during the episode to get your authentic reaction. Mike writes, quote, while I have no, uh, while I in no way have the means to pursue this, I've always dreamed about opening a unique and amazing movie theater in my hometown of Ottawa, Canada, population 1 million. We do currently have a number of brand name multiplexes as well as one independent second run theater, which is great in some ways, but very outdated in others. But we don't have anything approaching an Alamo draft house type option. In light of your recent discussion of the lackluster look dine-in cinema chain, I think I can do better. Here is my take on the perfect theater. What is yours? Exterior. Classic illuminated marquee projecting over the sidewalk with a theater name on a vertical neon sign above it. That name, the Filmcaster. Interior, a single amazing theater with the following features. Lobby, stylish bar, open to both the theater goers and general public. Reservations only allowed with advanced ticket purchases, so those attending the film are not disappointed. Serves a full cocktail menu with a single rotating drink that changes with the film being shown. Ticketing, reserve seating only. Advanced purchases highly encouraged. Snack bar, usual fare, no extra charge for butter on the popcorn, even if you ask for some halfway down. Theater seating, large comfy reclining seats and stadium seating. In-theater dining, short but delicious menu of easy-to-eat foods served right to your seat, along with any additional snacks or cocktails you might want. Service stops when the trailers end. Jeff, they will also serve you if you're standing just outside the theater, waiting to come in during that time. Picture and <laughs> sound. Top of the line. Honestly, not 100% sure what that is these days, but I imagine it's something like laser IMAX projection and Dolby Atmos sound. In the end, I'll go with whatever Devendra recommends. Pre-show, two trailers, followed by a branded pre-roll featuring Dave Chen's dulcet tones as he waxes on about the theatrical experience a la Nicole Kidman. Films, extended runs for top-tier blockbusters punctuated by shorter runs for fantastic new films with lower budgets and older movies worth a rewatch. And that's it. I suspect this isn't financially viable, especially these days, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe one day. Thanks to all three of you for the wonderful entertainment over the years. I'm a longtime listener and can easily say the Filmcast is my favorite podcast of all time. It never fails to put a smile on my face listening to you guys. End quote. So thanks for the email from Mike from Ottawa, Canada. What Delightful. Is Mike's Filmcaster theater idea? I, I like it. I have a, I have a couple of questions right at the top. Mm-hmm, First, mm-hmm. uh, are there places that upcharge you for butter on your popcorn? Some places. Yeah. I've, seen. I've never experienced I that. I think for that extra seems... butter, you know, but yeah, I've, mm, I've not experienced it either. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, also, don't eat that butter, people. It's killing you. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean. It's not butter. 
everything they serve at the movie yeah. theater is killing you. It's no, there's no, there's no uh, delicious. It's like you, you healthy can get, option. you can get a couple hundred calories of popcorn. Fine. Want to blast that with two thousand calories of uh, juice, <laughs> oil juice? It's wonderful. We only live once, Devendra. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For a short time, I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm the wanna, Tom Cruise. That, right? I'm the Tom Cruise of movie theater goer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I risk my mm-hmm. life for the experience. Mm-hmm. Well, you work out, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You can you can afford the butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I also like how he, he this listener describes the uh, the perfect themed experience based around our podcast, and then admits that it is financially a, a, mm-hmm. a disaster, just yes. a disaster. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say most of that stuff that they listed is pretty sensible stuff, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. comfortable yes. seats, good food that's not served during the movie itself. You know, like I don't understand the uh, bar that's open to the general public as well as like, w- why is that desirable? I, you want to just, you, hey, let's go to the bar. I don't want to see a movie, but let's go to that bar in the movie theater. That oh, seems I weird, mean, yeah? have you have you not been to the Alamo Drafthouse bars, Jeff? Oh, I guess that is the thing. I guess the idea is that they're, yeah, it's a high enough quality bar that you could go yeah. and hang out and talk about movies there, Jeff. You it's know? cool. It's cool. I have, I would, rather than the bar, I would be like, I'd rather have like a nice cafe set up, which is sort of like the Angelica Theater in uh, in New York. I've always yeah, liked Arc Light in Hollywood yeah. has that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a, a, a pretty unpopular opinion uh, <laughs> to go alongside my other you unpopular don't, You opinion. don't say, Jeff. You don't <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. I don't think the uh, I don't think the serve you food inside the movie theater Alamo Drafthouse thing is uh, my preferred way to see. I, I agree. I agree. I just thought we just talked about this. Yeah. Do we? Oh. Or no, you weren't here, Jeff. But oh. I had mentioned this on the on the previous After Dark, and I oh, agree. Really? I I think I think those people running around and shuffling and doing things is more disruptive than somebody like engaging with the movie and maybe talking, you know, to the screen. hundred percent. I think it's not only that, but my own experience mm-hmm. is that I am constantly worried about where the, like I, I ordered, is it coming? Do I need to is mm-hmm. that person? Mm-hmm. No, I'm yeah. here. Did I need is to like flag them down? Am I, have mistake? they gotten my you order? Gotta, you got to talk to them during the movie. If there's a mistake on the order, like a whole, but whole thing. It's Always. awful. It's it's not good. And and I appreciate the ability to eat at a little table at my seat, but also like I'm looking <laughs> at the mozzarella sticks and I'm like, yeah. it's, no, just let me, I don't need any of that. This reason mm-hmm. popcorn mm-hmm. is the, uh, the preferred movie theater food is because it's, it requires zero interaction other than your hand to mouth. Popcorn you know I mean? and candy, like popcorn candy is perfect. Although I will say one of my favorite things at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn was the uh, the chips and queso. And queso is a, that's precarious, man. That's precarious yeah. while you're watching no. a movie. Yeah. I don't want to eat a f- f- cheeseburger while I'm mm-hmm. watching. You know, it's like, that's not going to make the movie experience better. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm hungry, but let's, yeah. let's I don't know. Really? I just don't think it's better. Make people do that work outside. Okay. Yes. I again going to theaters in New York. I'm used to people rolling up with like a full on like um <laughs> Chinese takeout lunch. You know, like I have seen many a movie at the uh the Court Street Theater, RIP, no longer exists, but people will just roll up with like a full lunch from one of the restaurants nearby and just eat and it's fine. So- Totally yeah, so, so Jeff, I think you're not objecting to the concept of eating food while watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You are objecting to the execution of it, right? When 100%. in an Alamo draft, right? So you, yeah, you're fine. Like, what if it was like, hey, you? But that means that what this guy Mike Mike is suggesting is actually amenable to you, where you would 
have all your food served to you before the movie begins, right? Like that's kind of what order he's order up until the trailer. Uh, up until Jeff, the trailer, I thought, right? I thought you were going to say um, during trailers everybody would be just like blinded and can't mm. hear anything. You would play the well, trailers, but nobody <laughs> can actually see anything mm -hmm. or hear there's, anything. There's literally like the all the whole sound system just goes. <laughs> you. It would be um, peanuts voices, and yeah. uh, you just break the projection. Yeah, that's good. Uh, For those who I, don't know, Jeff doesn't like watching trailers, but yes, go ahead, Jeff. I, uh, at the very least, if we're going to brand our movie theater, our movie theater, at the very least, posted on the door of the movie theater or posted somewhere is the time, the timestamp at which the trailers are done. That's that's all I ask. That's nice. Yeah, like movie uh, starts at eleven. At 11.15, the trailers are done. That's all I ask. 11.23. Sometimes when you go to a concert, they tell you, like, hey, hey expect around now the opening act will be done. Exactly. You know, something like that, yeah. yeah. Let me stroll in. Let me be able to uh, organize my day without having to pop my head in and go, oh, another one? Okay, back outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that, I like that Mike has written a very thoughtful pleasant email about what a film cast theater might look like and mm. you're using it to just basically air your grievances about movies Jeff. all the grievances no, that's, what Jeff that's... wants is a sort of like a confessional booth but in the theater <laughs> and during theaters Jeff will just go and pull the blinds you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah anyway well thank you so much Mike that was very lovely to read that email and uh, I agree that many of those things are things that we would want in the movie theater. Um, hey, Devendra, would that go something like uh, you sit down and you go, forgive me, father, for I have cinema. Sinned. I have cinema. No? Sinned. Okay. Right. Cinema sinned. Is that what you're saying, Devendra? Yes. Um, well, the only other thing I would say is, is there anything missing from this theater that we would, uh, we would want to, to add to it? Guys? Are you guys cool with it being a single screen? No, no, you get it. Yeah, gotta, not a multi, not like giant, but I, I think two or three is good. Like one big one, the big mm. premiere screen, and then two or three for like you know smaller run movies. Yeah. One of my favorite theaters in Seattle was the Cinerama, and that was just mm -hmm. one screen. Uh, yeah, and I think there's something uh, there's something nice about it. It's like, hey, this is a very we're giving you one choice. This mm -hmm. one choice was arrived at with a lot of thought and effort, and you're gonna yeah. enjoy it. And I was trying I, to I be like, like an old school movie palace type of thing. And I do yes. miss that. Like I, yeah. Yeah. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying is I, is I, I like that part of it. I like that part of it. Yep. So, um, and as for it not being financially viable, I mean, it depends on how big the theater is and how much the demand is, you know? Well, yeah. it depends uh, if you want to make a profit or, you know, what? I don't know. It, it, it would obviously be a label and... of love, this mm -hmm. one, right? <laughs> Jeff, what were going to say? I think, I think he took that into account, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why he came to <laughs> Level so, of demand, <laughs> low. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thanks to Mike from Ottawa, Canada for that email. And of course, you can always write into us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. We'd like to take a moment to thank the world of microdosing, specifically our sponsor, Microdose Gummies. You've probably heard about the idea of microdosing. It is about taking small amounts of things like THC or CBD to give you a creative boost or to help with anxiety or even get a little sleep. Microdose gummies are bite-sized little candies that give you a nice entry-level dose of THC to help you feel pretty good. I found it to be a lot more convenient than other oil mixtures. And you know, I'm dealing with a lot these days. I think we all are. Sometimes, especially after a long day of work and reading all the news, you kind of need something to take the edge off. For me, it's certainly a lot better than just having a drink of alcohol or something like that. 
Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code FILMCAST to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com and code FILMCAST. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching this week. I want to talk about a couple things I've been watching. I had a chance to see the first three episodes of Andor. Uh, <laughs> throwing it in our face again, Chen. <laughs> Go make a podcast and, about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, did you have a chance to see the first three episodes of Andor? Did you? Oh, huh. Huh. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, the headline feature of Andor is... The guy who made, like, who wrote and directed Michael Clayton is making a Star Wars show. Yes. And also, like, secretly was the guy who basically saved Rogue One. From, yes. From what we He, he yeah. theoretically ghost-directed Rogue One from everything we've been told. Uh, you guys know about my disenchantment with Star Wars at this point. I uh, have legendary. not been a fan. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But I have not been a fan of uh, everything live-action Star Wars that's been happening uh, over the course of the last... Since 1977. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Since Rise of Skywalker, I would say. Um, so I haven't enjoyed... Didn't enjoy Rise of Skywalker. Didn't enjoy... Man- haven't enjoyed Mandalorians. Um, it, it has felt to me like Star Wars is more interested in rehashing stuff that, from the past rather than forging any new territory. So I've just had to come to the really painful conclusion that Star Wars is not for me anymore. And that's really painful because Star Wars is a huge part of my upbringing, as I think it was for all of us. Uh, and to grow up with a thing and to to love the thing and then to kind of be um, to, to kind of be pretty disappointed by the prequel trilogy, but then to have my hope stirred up again by The Force Awakens and amplified even further by The Last Jedi, only to have it all come crashing down with Rise of Skywalker. It's just been a really emotional roller coaster, guys. And uh, and then the, you know all the live action TV series start coming out, and I'm like, these, these just are not for me. They don't, they're they're not kind of what I'm looking for when it comes to extended universe storytelling. Um, so I've been crushingly disappointed mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. everything live action Star Wars over the course of the last few years. Andor comes out, I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued, you know, especially because Tony Gilroy, in my opinion, is one of the most talented writer directors alive. Sure. A genius, yeah. I've seen the first three episodes, and I think as of when I'm releasing this conversation, I can talk about it uh, briefly, which I'll do briefly because I want to wait to hear what you guys thought about it. Do but you? I, <laughs> I do, I do. But <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I'm, I am. That's great. So into yeah. the show. I this is the show that's going to get me back into Star Wars. I was actually emotional watching it because I'm like, it's been so long since anything Star Wars related has caused any kind of emotions, stirred any kind of emotions within me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Baby show... Yoda and you say, throw it in the trash, right? <laughs> I threw it on the ground. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, Baby Yoda's cute. That's, that's, that is a, fa- a fact. But uh, this is a show that feels like it actually has something to say. Tony Gilroy has talked about it. He's very, very proud of it. Uh, and... I think it has the potential to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just a great Star Wars show, but like a great work of art in its own mm-hmm. right. Um, so great. I'm really psyched. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'll say about it. I, I hope uh, things end up well for this Andor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think what? it's going to be smooth after the events of the show. I think it's going to be smooth sailing for Cassie. Guys laughing. So. Why? 
I, um, you know, I'm basically in exactly the same boat with you, Dave, which is why yeah. I'm so bitter about this mm -hmm. because it sounds exactly like what I've been pining for, for actual mm -hmm. decades, mm -hmm. which is, Hey, maybe make something in the star Wars universe that isn't just about Easter eggs to other stuff we know. Yes. hundred percent. And for sure, maybe, for sure. I don't know, expand the universe instead of contracting it. We don't need all of the things we're already, we already love to be showing up uh, and making the universe feel small. Like, hey, this is supposed to be a massive galaxy of pl interconnected planets. You don't bump into the same six people over and over. Uh, so uh, it, it really does sound like this is what I've been uh, dreaming for, pining mm -hmm. for. And uh, I really wish I could have seen the first three episodes. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Sounds pretty nice. Uh, Jeff, I do wonder how you'll have you ever seen the last few episodes of The Mandalorian, the last season? No, I gave up on I gave, gave up, up on, on that show. Yeah, there, there's at least one on thing you got to watch at some damn point so we can talk about what they did. Um, mm. But you've probably heard about it at this point, too. So I don't I've know. heard about it. And I'm just going to say I, I know in fairly good detail what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say I don't think it's going to improve Jeff's opinion on the show. No, nope, um, but I want to know the reaction. I want to know what you think <laughs> about that. Anyway, uh, Andor premieres on September 21st on Disney+. Plus. Get on board, guys, because I, I have a feeling this is going to be... I'm talking to the listeners, not you guys. Uh, like, I think this is going to be something that people will be talking about. A, a premiere long remembered, to quote this Darth Vader. Kind of what I was hoping uh, the, the other Ryan Johnson trilogy that doesn't sound like it's happening now um, was going to be. was like, hey, let's take the Star Wars universe and just play in a little corner of it. Uh, and do some interesting stuff. I'm just, that's what they should be doing with this franchise instead of constantly going, hey, Obi-Wan and Leia hung out for 15 minutes and just, we just never mentioned it. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, mm -hmm. that trilogy, by the way, is still happening. It's just like in the is works. It? Who knows I thought it was when. not yeah. happening. September 1st was like the last bit we heard. Still in development, so we don't know what that means. That's good. But yeah, it's interesting that I have such positive opinions about Endor because... And or as people who have seen Rogue One know, is a prequel, right? It's it's yeah. it shows you what leads up to the events of Rogue One, and mm -hmm. uh, but I think and I think like the key to doing a prequel well is are you introducing new characters that the audience can grow attached to, and also uh, are you making what comes afterwards more richer and interesting? And I think Andor has a real chance of doing both of those mm -hmm. things. See so, also uh, Rings of Power, sure. Yeah, uh, Better Call Saul, another good example, you know? So I feel like it it, is it's possible. a good thing It's a good thing to hear about Andor, too, because, like, Rogue One was the story, was also the prequel movie where we were like, why? Why do I need to know about the plans, how they got the plans to the thing, to blow up the Death Star? And that ended up being a pretty entertaining movie. So to even being able to play off of that and jump off at that point, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah I often I, thought... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I can't wait to talk about it with you guys, because uh, mm -hmm. I, I assume you'll see mm -hmm. the first three no, you, episodes are dropping. You literally we'll can't. Yeah. you yeah. unable to wait. <laughs> Go ahead, yep. Jeff, what were you going to say? <laughs> um, I've often thought about the Star Wars as in, re in, in sort of relation to World War II uh, in, in, in real life, right? There is no end to the interesting tales that happened over a very short period of time in world war ii right and you don't just hear about like the two generals <laughs> you know you, you don't hear about like one family during world war ii over and over and the six people that they bumped into 
there's fascinating different theaters of war. There are fascinating different tales that take place. And you always can find a new documentary, a new fictional or, you know, retelling a new, a new film or book, or there's constantly ways to mine that time period for compelling, dramatic, interesting, untold stories. Just because Star Wars is fictional doesn't mean you can't approach it in the same way. You know, it, it, uh, it, it bums me out that it, it always feels like it is so reductive. And uh, I think the, the imagination, it, it feels limited in some stupid way uh, where you can look at the re real life and go, hey, look, there's this template for how we can approach tales like this. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And when they first started making prequels or when they first started making parts of the, you know, shows like The Mandalorian, that's what I thought it would be, right? Yeah. I thought it would be kind of exploring these other corners of that galaxy. And that has, in my estimation, that has not been what they've done. And th that is what I think Andor does. So anyway, Disney Plus, September 21st, we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, but th those are some thoughts on Andor, uh, which is premiering this week. I wanted to give a shout out to The Crown Season 1, which I watched in its entirety this week because of... Um, World events. Uh, what what of, would that be? Uh, the the passing of the queen uh, stirred my interest in revisiting the show, which I'd watched you, season four of a while ago. You're doing the uh, the crown, the machete cut, is my understanding. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd watched uh, season four of the crown, which covers the princess, some of the Princess Diana stuff. The crown season five will continue to cover that material mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought um, I thought you were already watching season one because you were so like into it. From what I recall us talking about, you were getting really into the crown. <laughs> I think I, I watched like one beginning. or two episodes, and I remember you not being very positive on it. To me, yeah, um, but I just want to come out on the podcast and give a full throated endorsement that I think the crown is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Like I think it is a masterpiece of a TV show. And, uh, and I never, I didn't fully defend it cause I hadn't finished the season back then, but this show is excellent. It is episodic storytelling at its best. It reminds me of like, um, kind of ER back in the heyday where there would be some long running plot lines, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but each episode is its own self-contained story. The show looks like it has a budget of infinity. Um, there's like massive sets and locations that are, done just for like one character, one side character having one scene and they have all these these massive sets for just this one kind of moment that happens in, in individual episodes. And But more importantly, really, it's about the institution of the crown and the people caught up within it. Uh, I don't think it is sparing in its view of the injustices that result because of the crown, but it also humanizes these people uh, and and takes the position that these are human beings. Um, they are not merely merely caricatures. Uh, and I think that's actually also important. So uh, I love the show. Uh, I'm going to finish it and get caught up because season five is debuting theoretically later this year, although who knows if they're going to delay it because of recent events. Yeah, finally they um, halted production. Yeah, exactly. So who knows what's going to happen there, but uh, I'm a huge fan of the show and I cannot recommend it highly enough um, so just wanted to throw my endorsement out there for the crown season one. Yeah. I, I don't mean this question cheekily. Do, do you recommend watching it out of order? No, I don't. Okay. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched it out of order cause I'm like, Oh, the crown, that's a show that I would have absolutely zero interest in. 
but I am interested in this Princess Diana stuff because I, I was on a Princess Diana kick Wait, a little while ago. Why would you um, think you'd have no interest in The Crown? Because it is right up your prestige TV alley, Dave. Is it? I don't. Yeah. It's just like British, you know, like uh, British people, period piece. Like that's not generally what I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started watching. It, I'm like, this is really, really good. It's like season one is very good. Uh, when we were talking about it, it was what season four or season yeah. five. And season at four. that point I was like, oh, I've seen this over and over again. Like certain mm-hmm. things it does. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're digging season one. I believe I talked about it too when it first premiered, however long ago that was, you know, <laughs> yeah, a decade yeah. ago. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it wears thin over time, but I'm glad you I can understand this. that. I can understand like some of the themes getting repetitive because, yeah. like, uh, you know, very minor spoiler alert, but basically the crown in, in many ways like destroys these people's lives. And mm-hmm. even in season one, the show is already hitting that theme over and over again. Like, it's, it's clearly. You know, there, there's a lot of things that these people don't enjoy about it. They have a lot of comforts. They have a, like a lot of nice things in life, but they also basically have no freedom, um, and they have to do things in a very specific way. And uh, and I can understand like why that might get old after a while. So uh, I'll let you know, Devendra. Um, but I'm planning to get caught up with the entire thing in time for season five, which debuts later. So, um, but I will say, Jeff Kanata, I have watched season four and I've watched season one, and they're both excellent. So I'd recommend both of them. <laughs> you you only care. Order. You only care about it if the main characters are dead. That's the only thing, only way to watch it. If they're live, not interested. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but basically. <laughs> soon, although many of the characters in, season, in Crown Season 1 are still alive. But yeah. I, I will say that's the, the one thing that I'm really uncomfortable with. And you guys know that I am very deeply ambivalent about this. Is um, making art about people that are still alive today. You know, and and not presenting it as like a fabrication in any way or anything like that. Yeah. Um, like that often what is in the show becomes what the record is. It becomes right. how people think about those things. And that makes me really uncomfortable because uh, like most of these people are still alive today. I mean, season four of the crown is just absolutely brutal to Charles who just became King, right? Like <clears throat> it is so unflattering as a portrait of Charles. And that's probably how a lot of people know him. And they also, they're not in a position where they feel they can speak out about it you know they 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 are not political actors so they don't come out and say hey here's the 15 things that the crown episode three got wrong like they don't they don't do any of that stuff because they they consider themselves above that um but i think i I am uncomfortable with that i wish the show did a better job of explaining that most of it is like the major events are real but like most of the conversations are fabrications or imaginings um i wish the show did a better job of that jeff is this something you're considering watching or uh, I, I'm not particularly drawn to it, but um, uh, th- not even after my stirring endorsement, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got I got to catch up on Andor over here, baby. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it, it occurs to me, you know, you said they're not able to even rebut things, but I, it doesn't seem like that would matter either. We, we've seen an actual example of that with winning time, you know, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming out and like enumerating all the points where he's like this show is just not accurate and it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't no one no one cares exactly uh, it's yeah. like you know 10 million people have already or however many people have already seen the show and like you know five hundred thousand people will read his correction about it right like yeah so it's like at that point it's already becomes entrenched in the popular imagination you know you're, right. it's a losing battle um so that does make me uncomfortable but like the the thing is the ultimate vision that emerges of these characters is is that they are human it like humanizes them in a very 
I think, compassionate way, um, while at the same time not letting them off the hook for being part of this institution that is often monstrous at times. So I really love the show. I think it's an exceptional piece of television making. And and it's honestly, it's refreshing to watch a show that is so episodic, like where each episode is its own self-contained story. And yes, there's long running plot lines, but it's like, I know when I sit down and watch an episode of The Crown, it is going to be like a satisfying story is going to be told within that one hour. And I just realized how rare that is in our modern binge watching society. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, a lot of nice things to say about The Crown. It's streaming right now on Netflix, season five coming later this year. And that is what I've been watching. We're going to take a quick break for some sponsors. We'll be right back. Hey, got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. VPN that I use. Have you ever browsed in incognito mode? I bet you have. Well, guess what? News for you. It's probably not as incognito as you think. And why would it be? Incognito mode, like the Chrome browser itself, is a Google product. And Google has made its fortune by tracking your movements online. There's even a $5 billion class action lawsuit against the company in California where it's accused of secretly collecting user data. Yeah. Google's defense? Incognito mode does not mean invisible. So how do you actually make yourself as invisible as possible online? You use ExpressVPN like I do. Because it turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. And one of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked like Batman. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. And best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use. Literally a click. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So... If you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com slash filmcast and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Go to expressvpn.com slash filmcast to learn more. Jeff Kanata, what are you watching this week? Well, I was uh, very excited to check out the new Fletch movie. What? There is a there is a Fletch movie starring John Hamm that came out this weekend that no one seems to know exists in, well, in theaters and on video on demand. Yes, wild. I, wow. I knew it existed. Uh, apparently, and, the studio uh, didn't. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> so, I've never read any of the Fletch books. So, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Because uh, what my enthusiasm for Fletch comes entirely from the Chevy Chase movies, right? Which, by all accounts, are not really very accurate to what the book series, you know, the character of the book series, right? But as a kid who grew up in the 80s and 90s, I, I love those Fletch movies. I mean, they they are they are top tier Chevy Chase, right? 
Chevy Chase as a, an agent of chaos. Um, and they're fun. They're wacky. They're, you know, it is him in, in doing funny accents and, 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 and disguises and just being this agent of chaos, uh, you know, a, a true bullshit artist, right? And it's fun to watch that character mess with people and get into predicaments and talk himself out of them by, you know, being a, a bullshit artist. I don't know if that's the spirit of the books. And my understanding is this film, Confess Fletch, is uh, much more in line with the book series than the previous two uh, Chevy Chase films. But I found Confess F Fletch to be very flat and dull and not very entertaining. Wow. I've heard so many great things about this yeah. movie, Jeff. So did I. I read a, stuff. A, yeah. a tweet from Patton Oswald, who's very much a uh, Fletch book uh, enthusiast. And he, he was saying it's one of the best, you know, Fletch movies is incredible. It's delivers. It certainly has a great cast. I think, I honestly think um, that uh, casting John Hamm felt very inspired. Like it, John Hamm is, I think, a gifted comedic actor. You know, he's, often a dramatic actor, but I think he's a very gifted comedic actor as well. Uh, and I felt like, oh man, that's a really great direction to go with Fletch. I know over the years, there've been a bunch of attempts at rebooting Fletch. I know Kevin Smith was doing it for a long time, um, you know, writing a, a Fletch film. And there has been a lot of discussion, discussion of bringing this character back and a lot of actors associated with it over the years. Uh, I thought John Hamm would be a, a pretty awesome choice. And again, I want to reiterate that I'm bringing a lot of baggage to this movie in the sense that what I was excited to see was something more akin to the Chevy Chase films. And mm -hmm. it's just not that movie at all. He's not an agent of chaos. He is a witness to chaos. Uh, everyone around Fletch in this movie is wacky and weird. Uh, and he is sort of, you know, going through it. Uh, reacting you know, bemused about how you know it's just uh, unable to sort of um mm -hmm. believe the situation that he's in constantly you know what i'm saying um, it, it, it honestly sounds like the difference between uh john ham and chevy chase too right like chevy chase always sure. had to be the center of the scenes and his stories yeah. and uh, i i'm gonna admit i blind bought this movie because i i was fascinated by the idea i heard you know wasn't doing very well. I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy this because the renting is cost $20. Buying it costs $25. Um, I hope I like it more than you, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff did you rent yeah. it? Did you rent it or did you buy it, Jeff? Yeah, come on. You guys want to guess? I you think rent you rented it. it. Of you course. Rent it. I don't buy yes. things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I rented it. Uh, yeah. At $20 still, you know, um, yeah. to rent it. And I, you know, I like, I was so excited for this movie, so excited for this movie. And it, I think it is bland. I think the resolution at the end is uninteresting in the extreme. Uh, all of the, you know, Marsha Gay Harden, whom I love, is playing a cartoon character. And I just don't, you know, I don't buy it at all. It is, mm -hmm, it, it's mm -hmm. all over the place in terms of tone. There are, there are some funny sequences that I think, really seemed funny on paper. Um, there's a character, a, a neighbor of, of uh, Fletch's who is just a very, very broad character. Like her, 
her apartment catches fire at one point and, and, and she just doesn't even care. You know, she's like, oh, why is the why is the fire alarm going off as like flames are shooting up behind her? Um, so it's very broad, very over the top. But and, and I'm sure on paper that was a very funny scene. I couldn't have been less amused by it. It just it is the mood. There are a few moments of uh, of levity that, you know, it's not garbage. It just I just felt like the movie is plodding along throughout. Um, and there's full of people I like. Kyle McLaughlin, mm -hmm. Roy Wood Jr. is in this. There's tons of talent uh, directed by Greg Matola. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I really thought it was going to be a home run and I just found it to be lifeless. Uh, huh. And that's, that's such a bummer to me. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about that, Jeff, but the movie's Confess Fletch. It's on video on demand. And Davindra, it sounds like you might watch it since you already bought it. I mean, I bought it, so I'm going to watch it. I hope <laughs> I like it more than you, Jeff. Yeah. I hope yeah. you do too. I, I genuinely do. Jeff, what else have you been watching this week? I also checked out a new uh, animated series on FX called Little Demon. Uh, the concept behind this show is that uh, a woman had a, an affair with the devil and gave birth to the Antichrist uh, several years that ago. That old chestnut. As you do, yeah, yeah. yeah. As one does. Uh, and uh, now that, the, and, and kept it a secret, hid from the devil, hid from everybody, raised the daughter as her own. And uh, I mean, it was her own, but raised mm -hmm. the daughter in secret. Uh, this is and, not a reboot uh, of Little Nicky, right? <laughs> I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I never saw Little Nicky. It was awful. I yeah, saw that movie in theaters. Good God. I intuited that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she turns, uh, she comes, kind of comes of age, becomes a teenager. And uh, the secret is out that she, you know, she develops these crazy de demonic powers. And the secret is out that she is actually the antichrist. Uh, and then her, her dad, the devil, uh, tries to get back into her life. All of that sounds very dark and it is dark, but it's all played for laughs. It's all very goofy i mean it's animated in sort of a simpsons-esque uh you know uh, it's it's ultra violent and it's kind of sort of like a um treehouse of horror writ large basically uh i am i'm really loving this show it's it is uh very funny i think uh it, there's a lot of devitos involved in this show it's devitos all over the place uh, uh lucy devito which i believe is danny devito's daughter and i think his son is a producer and danny devito plays the devil does the voice of the devil uh, lots of DeVitos, uh, but also I'm sold. Dane DeVito is the devil. Yes. I'd yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And Aubrey Plaza plays the mom. Love Aubrey Plaza. And the mom is full Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2. She's <laughs> okay. like, she's it, it's it's so much fun. She's my favorite character in the whole thing because she is she had an affair with the devil, d knew she was raising the the Antichrist and so became the most badass witch herself just to fight off the forces of darkness that were coming after her daughter. And so, so much of the best of the show is the mom just being a ridiculous badass and not putting up with anything for, with anybody. It's, it's great. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's wacky, goofy fun uh, with ultra violent. I mean, it's very adult. It's animated, but again, you know, a strong language, just gore, nonstop gore people being turned inside out and ripped limb from limb and you know all that kind of nutty stuff but done for laughs and I'm, I'm into it it's called little demon uh it's on fx i think i'm watching it on hulu all right i'll try to check it out little demon sounds like fun jeff it is yeah 
That's what Jeff's been watching this week. Devendra Hardware, hit us with what you've been watching this week. Yeah, I got a bunch of things to run through. And uh, I told you guys after we saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that I'm going to start watching Industry because I loved uh, Maya Hala uh, Harold in that movie. And I started watching Industry. I am clear through season one. My wife and I just like binge through this show. And I have to say, it is excellent. Um, this is a show, it uh, started in 2020, kind of like, I think as the pandemic was beginning. Yeah, so I remember kind of like why, seeing ads yeah. like right as pandemic could, could, it got was beginning. And yeah. and uh, what I could tell from the uh, the trailer for the industry is the mm-hmm. premise is invest, investment bankers have sex? Question mark. Investment bankers have sex. Uh, bad people behaving badly. It did feel a little redundant uh, after Succession and everything too. Mm-hmm. But I have to say the show is is really fascinating and compelling. And just it hits on a different level than Succession for me. Like uh, Succession, you know, is a show about people who are already rich and in power and just trying to grasp and maintain, you know, their their specific fiefdoms or whatever. This is a show about people who are trying to claw their way up from the bottom or different, uh, you know, different areas. They are not starting as top tier investment bankers. We follow a group of young bankers who are coming into their first year, I believe, like their freshman year or whatever. Um, And we just follow them and like they all have very different personalities and they're all pursuing money and power in different ways. But I think what's really interesting about the show is that the characters are all just like really compelling and fascinating to watch. Um, my Hala Harold plays uh, this, uh, this woman called Harper Stern, who is such a great character. Like I can't think of another TV character that's like her. Cause she is, she is bold and she's intelligent, but she's also kind of a jerk too like at times and will betray people at times she's complex and just really really interesting to watch but the genius of the show is it keeps you kind of rooting for her even as she does terrible things or hurts people in many ways um maybe maybe kind of like a reflection of the anti-hero trend that we've seen which has mostly been about men on tv um she is a fascinating character but she has a whole bunch of interesting friends too and also really like fascinating relationship with her boss played by Ken Leung, who is from uh, he was in Lost. He was in a bunch of like you've probably seen him. He's been in a bunch of movies, but he is a sort of like uh, hard ass boss that maybe cares about her or maybe just wants to use her to benefit himself. It is a weird, toxic relationship that they're in. But that that is basically the show. It is like people trying to uh, scramble to succeed and gain power and money um in the world of financial banking and i will say i don't i have no idea what is happening through much of this show like succession you know is talking about media mergers and big you know maybe stock you know numbers or something at some point and like i think the big ideas in succession are normally easy to grasp industry is a show that isn't afraid to have people just sitting in front of in front of bloomberg terminals you know shouting uh i banking uh you know i don't know uh, words at you you start you, you kind of get a sense of it like you get a sense of what it means for the people but the actual technicals of it i'm sure are accurate because they sound accurate but i i, I cannot com- like i cannot understand them at all so that's not a knock against the show it's just kind of it kind of tells you like what works is the human drama and the characters are really well done so season one is good i just started season two which is interesting in that it really like 
changes things a bit for the characters. There's actual growth for these characters in between seasons. And season two also deals with like the aftermath of the pandemic and people coming back to work and things like that too. And Mark Duplass, um, no, J Duplass shows up in in season two. Yeah. Uh, This show is good. If you like succession, if you like shows that are about um, people who are working hard, um, maybe like even overworking, like it gives me a lot of like sports night vibes in terms of people who devote themselves entirely to their jobs at, you know, at, at the cost to their souls and their personalities. There's a lot of that. It's not as funny as sports night, but it's certainly um, like, it's a journey. It's also a lot sexier than a show like uh, succession. Actually. Like there are a lot of sexy times in the show and just kind of leans into it, which is funny to see. And I feel like a lot of shows, it's almost like euphoria at times with how, how, deep the show goes into things but i think it's all really compelling and really fascinating to watch so check out industry it's on hbo max now cool what else have you been watching Devendra? i also checked out bad sisters which is the new apple tv plus show which i know people have been pinging us on twitter to check out um using the hashtag good. using the hashtag slash yes. tag which is how you can recommend stuff for us to watch but yeah and I, I've, I've i've heard good things about the show sharon horgan uh, is sharon part horgan. of the creative team that's and basically this awesome. is the yeah. next sharon horgan show which is yeah. why i'm it's alerting jeff i'm alerting yeah. jeff and everybody else at, like at watch anything she's in mm-hmm. yeah at this point uh, she's in everything i love it I, I more horgan more horgan please uh there, there was a sitcom she did uh with another uh comedian that's on hulu that i talked about a while back i really enjoyed that too this show is a lot more like it is about a group of sisters who are kind of dysfunctional together and there is an accident maybe a murder involving one of their husbands that's kind of, it's sort of like big little eyes in uh mm-hmm. in, in that way too actually a lot of shades of that because you're going back and forth in time in this uh I, I think it's really compelling. Sharon Horgan is good. I like the cast. I like the sisters and the setup. I've only seen the first few episodes, but I think it's really compelling and something I'm not like itching to see what happens next, but it feels like the beginning of a good book. Like I'm going to come back to this. I want to see where this mystery goes. And the cast all around is very strong. Um, yeah. And there, there is like, this show does feature a, a glorious, just like a glorious asshole, a guy <laughs> who is such a prick. You're like, Man, I I would murder him, you know, if I, if I was in this family. I, I don't care if anybody murders him because he's making the lives around everyone, uh, the lives around him just miserable, um, played by Clive's Bang. And I think I, I think just for him, just to see what happens to this guy is honestly probably a, a compelling thing for me to keep watching, too. Like, I, I want him to get some sort of suffering in this show. So, yeah, I'll keep watching Bad Sisters on Apple TV+. Plus. All right. Um, Devinder, what else have you been watching this week? Question for Jeff. Have you been playing Immortality, the Sam Barlow game? <laughs> it is sitting on my hard drive. Yeah. I have not, not diving. We talked a lot about it on DLC this week. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I am very excited. I love Sam Barlow. I loved her mm-hmm. story. I'm I'm itching to play it. It's on Game Pass now. I have it on it's my on hard game drive. Pass. I just haven't. It's on Game yeah. Pass. Yeah. I just want to shout this out. If you're listening to the show and you play video games and you have Game Pass, you should probably check out Immortality. Sam Barlow has been doing really interesting work around making games um, basically centered on video, you know, and dissecting video. And this is a game about an actress across three movies, across three decades, actually, the 60s, 70s, and 1999. Uh, she's made these films they've never been released and she's gone missing and your job is to scrub through footage um sometimes interviews from talk shows sometimes behind the scenes stuff to figure out what happened to her um i've played several hours of this game to be honest i'm not 
I'm not even sure what I'm doing, but <laughs> the actual movies that you're seeing, like it is, it's sort of like a David Lynch thing where you're trying to deconstruct this person and her personality through all sorts of different footage. Um, the game doesn't really d- direct you in terms of what to do. It's more like here, here's how you move the, the pictures around. Here's how you save your favorite clips. That's it. You don't really get much direction beyond that. But I have had a really interesting uh, time just diving into these clips and sifting through them, looking for clues and things like that. So it has some really good mechanics. It gets really creepy at times, too. Like, I wouldn't call it a horror game, but certainly scary or um, disturbing in the way that so many David Lynch things can be. Um, But also, I feel like if you've played Her Story and if you played, what was the other one? Telling Lies. Yeah. um, If you've played these before, you also may feel like you've seen all this already. I will say it's really, it's just fascinating to see like the, the way they've produced the separate movies. They feel like they've been, you know, shot on appropriate cameras. It feels like everything is very authentic. It feels very film nerdy. I'm not sure if it's going to amount to much more than, than that, you know, like masturbatory film nerd stuff, but I think it's kind of compelling. I'm interested in what's happening to this actress and the people around her. And, you know, I, I, I played her story when it came out and it was fine. Uh, this to me feels a little more interesting and intriguing. So I'm going to keep at it. That's immortality. It's on game pass now, but you could buy it wherever you buy games. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Devendra has been watching slash playing. We're going to take a watching quick break. Yeah. Uh, thank you sponsor. We'll be right back. Hey, it's time for me to tell you about our sponsor story worth. Oh man. This has been a special gift that I've given both my mom and my dad You may think you know your parents, your loved ones, anyone in your life that you have that kind of relationship with. You think maybe you know them better than anyone. And then one day you're chatting and you hear a story that you never heard before. And you realize, oh my gosh, my parent, my grandparent, my loved one is a human being. (laughs) I only ever thought of them as this loved one, as this relative and they've had this entire life full of full of stories full of moments that i just didn't know about well for me i unlocked a lot of that knowledge and relationship really with storyworth storyworth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and and then it preserves them for years to come this is one of the reasons i got it is to have this treasure trove of information for my kids and my kids' kids. What happens is every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of potential options. And each of these unique prompts asks questions that you've probably never even thought to ask, like, what is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or what's the best advice you've ever received? Both my mom and my dad separately took such care to think about and answer these questions thoughtfully. And I got to read their answers every single week. You get an email uh, with their answers as you go along. These are stories and memories that I'd never heard before. And it was such a delight seeing how they approached the stories, how they approached answering these questions. And then after a year... StoryWorth compiles all of these questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that the whole family can share for generations. That's been a really wonderful thing to have as well. 
Get to know your loved ones better and preserve those special memories forever with StoryWorth. Right now and for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash filmcast. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. You'll save yourself $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash filmcast. There was an email I wanted to mention that mm-hmm. came into slash filmcast at gmail.com. And I thought it could be a nice way to kick us off post that break that we just took. Uh, and it came in from Samuel from London. I meant to read this at the top of the show, guys. But, you know, um, sometimes uh, things get delayed. Things get pushed. Samuel from London writes in the slash filmcast gmail.com. Uh, about our summer movie wager stuff. Quote, 10 plus year listener to the film cast here. This is the first time I'm emailing you and it's to tell you this. At the start of your summer movie wager episode, Devendra posed the question, clearly we know nothing. Why are you listening to us? At which point, my friend who overheard him said, yeah, why do you listen to these guys? (laughs) To which I responded, no one knows anything, but these guys know nothing like no one else. It's Love true. the show. Good. Thanks for a decade of it's listening. True. Keep on being wrong. End quote. That needs to be our uh, our new show motto. New show. Yeah. Uh, put put it on the show poster. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly on the on the album art. No one knows anything, but these guys know nothing like no one else. Pretty good. Uh, Real good. Point of pride. Thanks to Samuel from London for sending that in. Anyway, I was also reminded of that when you were talking about uh, glorious assholes on that show, Davinci. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. That could also be another tagline for this show. Anyway, <laughs> Not like Hardware. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> what else have you been watching? What if I were to tell you there is a remake of Blazing Saddles out there, which which co-stars Mel Brooks? Would you be like, I, I want to see that movie, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. What, what if What well, if Mel a Brooks? Classic. A classic. A classic. A classic. Mel Brooks kind of going back to to the well, you know, to to one of his most famous movies. Um, clearly like you can go back to that. You can really make a statement now, right? What if Mel Brooks was a cat though? Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about Paws of Fury, the legend of Hank. What if Mel Brooks was is, a cat though? Yeah. What if, what if he was a cat? <laughs> this, this movie is, a, it is, it's, it's kind of a loose remake of Blazing Saddles. It's about a dog played by Michael Sarah who goes to, uh, a nation filled entirely of cats, uh, to become a samurai. Um, this movie is very weird. And I'm only pointing it out because my daughter has gotten into it. She was like, what is that? Uh, She saw the poster at some point and we started playing it and she got into it. Um, This is a very strange movie because I don't know who it's for. There are a lot of like Mel Brooks jokes in here, which are which are kind of weird. But it's also like um, this is a movie that definitely leans into the weird orientalism of uh, of trying to just be, hey, we're we're a bunch of people. We just want to be samurai. It's uh, it's it's really leaning on a lot of like Asian motifs, which I find kind of like disturbing at times. But it's also not that funny, you know. What if uh, what if you got Michael Sarah? What if you got Ricky Gervais and Samuel L. Jackson in for voice? Like, great cast. Mel Brooks is here talking. He he's the Shogun. George Takei is in this movie. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is in this movie. What if everyone just sounded bored? You know, like that. That's a good way to make a comedy. I think this movie is not super successful. Um, I've definitely seen worse kids movies. And I think some of the jokes actually do land, but it is a weird, weird thing. It's like, why, why does this movie exist? How did any of these people get involved? I'm just like left. I'm left looking at it 
very very curiously like i i think the production of like however this was put together um is is kind of fascinating because i also know this project has been the work for, for like a decade you know it started out as being a movie about a black samurai uh, going to japan uh to to protect people and that was apparently too much so it was changed to animals and i don't know there, there's just like a lot going on here I wouldn't say watch this movie, but if your kid wants to check it out, there may be a handful of, uh, you know, some sounding like Mel Brooks jokes that may be fun to see here. I'm just like fascinated. I, I stand in awe of this movie. Why do you exist? Why? Why do you have this cast? It's weird to me. It's weird. Uh, that's Positive Fury, Legend of Hank. Yeah, that seems to be the reaction most people have to this. Is like, why, yeah. why would you remake Blazing lies. Sandals as an animated? And and, uh-huh. what, and why would you make it not funny? Um, how did you watch this movie again, Devendra? It's on uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, which Paramount I watch, Plus. Yeah, yeah. It's I watch Paramount Plus a lot because uh, first of all, lots of good shows for grownups, but also that's where Peppa Pig is. That's where you know uh, Paw Patrol is. So there you go. Oh, interesting. We we watch Peppa on uh, on uh, Amazon Prime. You could do that too. It's uh, they, they have different seasons all over the place, but I have found that Paramount Plus uh, because and now they included Showtime with like a, a, a kind of a discounted bundle. It's actually not a bad deal because I end up watching a lot of these shows. So anyway, Pause of Fury, uh, not so good, but weird. Why does it exist? I don't know. All right. Well, that is what we have been watching this week. Let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been working on. Uh, and over at the Decoding TV podcast, I am going to be covering Andor and reviewing it, recapping it week to week. You can find that at podcast.decodingtv.com. Currently already covering uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law and also the Rings of Power on that podcast feed. Uh, we're adding a third show to the mix. Probably no more than three shows, though. That's a lot for one <laughs> podcast feed. Um, uh-huh. But I'll have a very cool co-host for that. And if you want to find out who it is, check us out at podcast.decodingtv.com. All right, Devinder Hardware, what's your weekly plug? I just wanted to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. We have the new Apple hardware in hand, the iPhone 14, 14 Pro, and also the the other, the non-Ultra Apple watches, the SE and the Series 8. And we talk about it. We reviewed it on the Engadget podcast. So go check out that episode. Sherlin Lowe, uh, my co-host, has been like, busy just super busy reviewing these things for the last week so check it out um really interesting tech i think the dynamic island in the 14 pro was kind of interesting but otherwise meh on the phones uh the watches watches are really really fascinating i like the sc so go check out that episode and jeff canada your weekly plug I mentioned the DLC podcast. It's my video game podcast that I do every week with Christian Spicer and a guest, a rotating guest every single week. Uh, this last episode, uh, I found I felt was a, a really fun one, mostly because there's just a torrent of things to talk about right now. It is an absolute avalanche of gaming news. Uh, there was a massive leak of Grand Theft Auto Six, which uh, has really f- interesting ramifications across yeah, the entire yeah. industry. Uh, plus uh, huge showcases from Nintendo and Sony uh, showing off uh, the new Zelda, giving a date for the new Zelda and the new God of War. I think two of the biggest, most anticipated games of the next uh, year, several months. Um, and so we had tons to talk about and uh, we had a great time. So check it out. It's episode 461 of the uh, the DLC podcast. You can find it at 5 x 5tv slash DLC. 
for once, Jeff, the uh, video game news happened before you guys record, which I thought yeah, was... Which is almost sure. never... <laughs> I should also mention our guest for that episode is uh, Paul Tamayo, who um, was a uh, one of the people swept up in these recent video game website mass layoffs that all happened on the same day. G4 awful. Uh, and um, Fanbyte all ha both had uh, massive, massive layoffs. So uh, it was awesome to talk to him a little bit about that and, and try to help him, you know, get some get some work or in any small way we could, but, uh, it's a great episode. I hope people check it out. Yeah. Um, and if you want to support this podcast that you're listening to right now, the film cast, you can always do that at patreoncom slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive after darks. Um, thanks to everyone who supports this podcast and makes it possible. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. Uh, there's a very easy way to support us for free. If you're really enjoying our conversation, all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a star rating or a review for us. It really does help us quite a bit. And I also just want to give another plug for hashtag slash tag, which you can use to share stuff that you want us to watch. All right. On that note, let's get to our review of The Woman King. An evil is coming. That threatens our kingdom. Our freedom. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. My king, the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back. You're watching and listening to the film cast, and we are about to discuss The Woman King. I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardware and Jeff Kanata. I'm going to read the plot summary for The Woman King on IMDb. Quote, a historical epic inspired by true events that took place in the kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful states in Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries. This movie was directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, uh, and it stars Viola Davis as Naniska. Uh, it was the number one movie at the box office this weekend, which is awesome to see. Devinder Hardwar, let's start with you. What did you mm -hmm. think of The Woman King? Uh, I, I love this movie. I wanted to get up and cheer at many points during this movie. We've seen so many big historical epics that I, I like some of them. I, I like Gladiator, you know, just fine. Um, but it starts to feel like uh, these movies start to look and feel a little the same like we're very similar and we've seen like this story talked about in uh what was the show lovecraft country gave mm. us like a brief glimpse of the agoje and just the idea of this all-female warrior group uh clearly also an inspiration for the group in black panther right um to see them in action here to see an african society like in full bloom uh being just in in a beautiful point where they're fighting for themselves um i think was just fascinating and viola davis is just incredible in this movie too like it, there's just so much about it that i love uh, i was just kind of gushing while watching the whole thing viola davis is fantastic um pretty much the entire cast too like what i really yeah, like the, is the, the the main trio being viola davis who plays naniska mm -hmm. um there's also lashana lynch and Fantastic. tuso Mbedu. like those are the kind of three main actors mm -hmm. in the movie 
And I think they all do an excellent job. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also John Boyega as the king, because, uh, yeah, of course, uh, watching Attack the Block for the first time, I was like, yeah, I want to see this guy. First of all, I want to see him be a Jedi at some point. Full Denzel (laughs) mode in this movie, too. Full Mm -hmm. Denzel mode. Full Eddie Murphy and coming to America mode. (laughs) Really, like mm-hmm. he is just like really living it up. So that's a lot of fun. Dusu Mbedu, who plays the sort of like audience surrogate character who is, you know, given up by her father. She doesn't want to marry anybody. She's given to the king and is basically the newcomer into this world. Um, she is fantastic. Like I loved her in uh, The Underground Railroad, which is a show everybody needs to watch. Just an incredible work of art thing that was just like completely ignored come Emmy times last year, I think. Um she is really great in this movie too. Like it's it's a whole bunch of things. Like I've always liked Gina Prince uh Bythewood's movies. Um The Old I Guard like, being the last major one that Old Guard many was a big one. I know you weren't yeah. a fan of the action there. It feels like here she has more resources and more time to like make a big action epic. All the battle sequences feel like really thrilling and kind of brutal at times too. just like the extent to which uh, how deadly they get. There are more, uh, you know, beheaded. Uh, there, there are more like just rolling heads in this uh, in this movie than I expected. Like we're getting to like Conan the Barbarian territory at, at certain points. And Viola Davis just like really shining just absolutely shining. I've never, we've never really gotten to see her in an action movie role. Um, but she's always been like, she's always been a strong presence to be. I'm thinking of her in widows and so many other things. So to have her be here, show off her biceps, you know, actually be cool and be in sword fights. I loved, I love this movie just for what it gave to everybody. And hopefully like this is something that's going to, you know, show, show everybody something that we've never really seen before. It's also complex too, because it's like, this is about an African country who are really fighting, um, you know, for their survival against another tribe. But also they're a country that has benefited from the slave trade in a way, too. And I don't feel like stories like this ever really deal with that. And the way mm-hmm. the sort of like even doing that makes this own country rich, but also kind of kills their soul in the process, too. And that struggle is at the center of the movie. So, yeah, it is a big action epic. Um, it also veers into like clear soap opera territory at times. Like there is one guy who's just Fabio. He is, he's <laughs> just Fabio mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Um, but I think for the character dynamics, for the strong roles and just like the, the sheer toughness of these women, the battle sequences are great. And I feel like every set piece just gives you something like there's, we'll talk about it. There's a training sequence that I don't think I'm ever going to forget. You know, just or like the the final test in their training sequence is just absolutely brutal. Um, but I love this movie. I love it even when it gets corny. Um, it is just fantastic. So I hope everybody gets to see it. I agree with you about the scale of the action. It does feel bigger than the old guard, in my opinion, certainly. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. you really feel like they actually got hundreds of people out, whether they, they did or not. It feels like they got hundreds of people out there. They're all fighting for their lives uh, in some of these sequences, and mm-hmm. it does. Very frequently looks spectacular. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on The Woman King? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on The Woman King are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm, This is a more thoughtful well, Dave, today. (laughs) (laughs) When sitting myself down to brave this epic-sized film, I never say this. It could actually be longer, and it's never stronger than when you're watching Viola Davis. Love Nicely it. done, Jeff. Love it. Nicely Perfect. Done. Yeah. I, I like this movie a lot as well. Uh, although in the first act, I was real worried because it didn't, 
it, it, I think th they butchered the first act. I think there's mm -hmm. probably a cut of this movie that's like two and a half, two forty-five. Yeah, that's a much there's better like a Kingdom movie. Kingdom Heaven longer cut going on somewhere. Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, because man, that first act just feels so abbreviated and just cut all to hell to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like there's clear setups and payoffs that just don't happen. That there's, th I mean, there's a there's a moment at the beginning where uh, one of you know the the warriors have this thing that happens at one of their training sessions that comes completely out of nowhere that has not been set up at all. And it's like, I'll, I'll talk about it in spoilers, mm -hmm, but it, mm -hmm. it, it just feels like, no, there was, I'm sure they shot a scene that set this up and they just had to cut it out or decided to cut it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like a lot of that happened in the first act. Uh, I think the movie gets much stronger as it goes along. And ultimately it's a very powerful, brutal visceral movie and you know you guys uh or davinja you you complimented all the actors i i i would agree but viola davis is just head and shoulders above everybody else every mm -hmm. time she's on screen she's smoldering i mean she mm -hmm. on, you can't take her eyes off of her mm -hmm. she will walk and not say anything and you're like she has a great presence. She's, she's, she's always had great shit. presence. That, yeah, that woman's been through some shit. Yeah. I do uh, love yeah. how she allows room in her orbit for everybody else to shine. So specifically, Lashana Lynch, I feel like, is the sort of like big dynamic character everybody's going to come out of this movie loving too because she's fun. She's she's the more fun character. She gets to have personality, whereas Viola Davis has to be brooding all the time. But I agree. She is fantastic. They're all good. Yeah. I mean, she just... Mm -hmm. you, you, she takes that camera lens and just owns it and it mm -hmm. is so powerful and i don't know how you prepare for a role like that how right, you right. get into a place where you literally just show up on screen don't say anything and you're just like i that she is yeah i'm you don't mess with that person <laughs> that's I mean, like it's, months it's and months of training just like really also you got to show off your arms if you're you're training so much for a movie <laughs> like that you got to show off everything and i feel like she just really got into that mode. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, Viola Davis, as of this recording, is 57 years old. Mm -hmm. And she needs to convince you in this movie that she could straight up murder 10 dudes in five minutes uh, if she wanted to. Yep. And I think she 100% does that. She I mean, them yeah. at a, in an instant, right? You want to believe yeah. she can do it's that. Incredible. Yeah. She's it's also, incredible. Yeah. She's also not a superhero, right? Mm -hmm. She's yeah. she's uh, has a vulnerability with her. There's this grit. It's grit. It's really just grit. And we learn through the course of the movie where that comes from, like what she's been through to get there. And it is, it's an extraordinary performance because it's all there in her from the first second. And that's something that you don't often get. You know, it, it, is, mm -hmm. it is truly uh, exquisite acting. And um, I do think the movie could be better longer. And, and you know, I never mm -hmm. say that. A two hour plus movie, uh, I feel like this one could have been uh, longer, and I think it would have. We would have. It did. Everything feels so quick at the beginning of the movie. It's just like yeah, throwing yeah. information at you, and you're in things and out of things, and it's just like, man, slow down. We want to be with these people for a little bit, and later on, it kind of luxuriates a, a bit more, and you are you know more comfortable with these people. And I think it, the the second two thirds of the movie are, are just much stronger than the first third. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple thoughts, and then we can get to spoilers. I think I, I really enjoyed the movie, um, but I think I might have liked it least out of the three of us. Uh, here's the thing. This movie has things 
does things, shows you things that basically no other movie you're going to see this year does, right? Like, or so decades. Well, maybe yeah. or, maybe yeah. we'll, yeah. Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it depends. We'll see. But it's I mean, like I think that's going to be women kicking ass again. You know, yeah, for sure. But it's like I mean, I was specifically referring to more like Viola Davis, like playing this yeah. role, and it's like, wow, yeah. it is worth seeing the movie just to see what Viola Davis can do. She's one of the greatest actors of our time, right? Truly. So um, to be able to see, to witness that is like, okay, that's great. Everything else in the movie, though, like everything anytime, else, anytime we're not with those three main mm-hmm. actors, I would say like all the other plot lines where we're not really with those three, three actors, the palace intrigue, the kind of drama with the other slavers, like I, I it, like you said, sometimes it verges into soap opera territory, Devendra. Um, so not just Viola Davis, right? Love, mm-hmm. love uh, Lashana Lynch and also uh, Tuso Mbedu, but. I agree with you that Jeff, that there does feel to be some character development that's missing in the movie. And for me, Devendra, it verged a little bit too much into soap opera territory for me to really fully embrace it as somebody who in general is not a huge fan of that kind of stuff. But I go back mm-hmm. to this movie is delivering in a way that no yeah. other movie does. And so it's this like, movie knows when you, to you have gotta fun. check it out just for that <laughs> alone. Like you just, I just, mean, there, you know. there's one scene where the Fabio guy is basically in front of a waterfall and it's like shirtless, you know, it's like he the cover of a romance novel, mm-hmm. basically. Like you, I feel like you're going to get to the bad part soon. Yeah. Right. Devendra. This movie <laughs> knows what it's doing. Right. And I think it, it like, it has fun, even though it also has like a, an incredibly intense performance from Viola Davis. It also knows how to have fun too. And if that's, the, if that stuff is not your cup of tea, then, you know, then I can understand not being on board with all of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we have to talk about spoilers for The Woman King. So let's get to spoilers for The Woman King starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. I should have. I, I did want to also reaffirm what you said, Devendra, about like the idea of an African uh, sort of kingdom struggling with its own feelings on the slave trade. That is a really unique thing that you don't usually see on screen. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to call out that it's it's uh, cool of them to tackle that in yeah. a there, film. There's texture that is, here that yeah. I feel like in in most normal movies you would just have the big you know battles. You would just have the kingdoms right. fighting. You would just have the soap opera stuff. This movie asks. What if what if you have all of that, but you also have complex character dynamics? You have people wrestling with um, where their privilege comes from, too. Like, where does their wealth come from as a country, and what does it mean to their yeah you know, their common people? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the the biggest problems, as you said, Jeff, I do think they are in like the first act or the first half of the second act, right? Um, a big one being this training montage. Now, mm-hmm. you seem to love it, Devendra. That training montage? Okay, go, go. Uh, uh, so, I think uh, you guys are uh, talking uh, about two different things, honestly. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Devendra, you're talking about the one at the end of the movie where they run through the brambles and they have to yeah, do yeah. all Not that. Not the end of the that's, movie, but like middle middle of the movie. That's but yeah. like middle yeah, of the movie, but also later part of the movie. I yeah, love the training montage, but please tell me. Tell me. Well, yeah, I'm talking about that, the, the final test, basically, mm-hmm. right? And really well done sort of, uh, in terms of like how they shot it and edited it, like and the brambles and like that's it's like ooh that's like a visceral feeling <laughs> when they're like running through that thing. It's like um, the biggest thorns I've ever seen. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just um, like, and and, but, and and for what exactly? What, well, what that's the that? thing. That's the thing. It's like I feel like 
the movie didn't do anything to set that up, in my opinion. Like, sure, sure. Um, it, it's it's like they, first of all, like a, a different movie would be like, okay, here's here are the challenges that you will face in the thing, you, and it's like, oh, the I Top Gun Maverick PowerPoint. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, here. Stage but, but, one. but beyond, Stage but beyond that, also yeah. like, what is what is the prize? And oh, but but if you mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. win, you still are in the group anyway. You know, like yeah, yeah, none right. of that's explained, and I felt like. I think the prize wasn't explained, but the whole thing is if you complete the thing, you're in like, that's what they left in. Yeah. Ultimately I got, I got there. I got there, but like, uh, it it felt like the movie, it it felt like really weird that the movie's just throwing me in. Like typically Mm -hmm. cinema, cinematic language is like, they explain to you what it is. And then you Mm -hmm. are invested in the outcome because you want to, you like, what does it mean to be the number one? At least some establishing shots of like, what the hell am I going through or something something like that. But but there's a handful of moments like there's a handful of moments like that where it's, they don't tell you what is going to happen. Same thing with, um, I think that moment when they go to the slave bay and, Mm -hmm. Um, Viola Davis just starts attacking that guy, which is like an awesome moment. But then they don't really explain what the plan is before mm-hmm. they they go there. And then later on, she's like, "Actually, you were the one that broke the plan." And it's like, "Wait, what was the plan? Was there a you know?" So th- there's yeah. usually yeah. I just wish there was a little bit more. S- similarly, that that big final battle where you know they just kind of show up and they go in and they blow stuff up and it looks amazing. But I just wish there had been a little bit more setup of like. Here is yeah. the plan. How, and, how did they do know, that? How did they accomplish that? How did they get the fire in <laughs> like there? Into the like, into the base when no one's yeah, you know, so yeah. No one I, I don't understand yeah. how any of that worked. It was exactly. visually very effective. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But also but, that's a payoff for a moment at the beginning when she puts gunpowder in the thing as a prank, which yeah. is like yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> right, is, right. I, I feel like there's well, gotta be at least two of, or three. We see scenes. the shot of her. They probably do have more, but there is a shot yeah. of her loading the gun where she's like she's well, thinking yeah, about what's happening and that's that's up, kind of it yeah up to that moment she has a very different relationship to all of her peers in mm-hmm. the in the in the uh recruiting group uh and all of a sudden now she's like doing pranks and it's like what whiplash where did that come from i feel like there's at least two scenes that mm-hmm. are on the cutting room floor of them like establishing the idea yeah. of the prank and yeah. how it's yeah. gonna and like oh i got gunpowder whatever it is it just and i feel like there's probably two or three other moments to me in that first third of the movie where mm-hmm. it's it's similarly it feels like yeah not set up not yeah. it just yeah. comes out of nowhere and you go man i don't feel like on the uh, at the script level that was where it was i feel like yeah. that's an edit you know yeah. Yeah. i will point out though one thing like the, the point where viola davis's character goes up and just rolls the heads of the guys out in front of the, the other general you know and then yeah. starts that's that's a surprise guys it's okay to be surprised because we go, we we see mm-hmm. her like basically crying because she has to give up 20 of her soldiers you know to this to this asshole and that's what we that's the setup that's what we think is going to happen. Yeah, they yeah, pull yeah. the rug out no, from under you. I agree. I, I, I'm not complaining yeah. about that moment at all. Yeah. I thought no, that was really cool. Fair. No, okay. I, fair, yeah. that's fair. Fair point of Indra. Yeah. Like, but I think I think there's there's enough moments like what Jeff is describing that I'm like, yeah. is this intentionally vague or is it not? You know, and I had to be thinking yeah. about that throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I would agree with you. You're right, Devendra. Like, I you know, me a couple on that good. one. Surprise yeah. and delight. So, yeah. Surprise is good sometimes, but it's you know yeah. Alfred Hitchcock with the bomb under the table. You know, and. And suspense, it's like, when you know there's a bomb, it's suspenseful. Mm-hmm. When it That's blows different. up, it's That's surprise. suspense. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I wish there had been sometimes more suspense as opposed to just like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. being surprised by what's happening. Which and I for, felt the like other, mo- for the, the other movie. thing yeah. that you guys were talking about, the fire in the base, um, they what they were saying is that 
look at those soldiers. They're so slow. They're slowly coming. Like it's, it's like a slow yeah. motion army p- coming towards us. So they, before they came and set up camp, that's what they were doing with the ants mm. and the turn mountain hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so setting they, up they all that make stuff. them, yeah. they make them look like part of the environment. The soldiers yeah. come in, they set up. Yeah, no, yeah. that's, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of miss a classic um, Christopher Nolan, Steven Soderbergh-esque, you know, here's the setup of the thing, and then here's you how we're going to like up the classic Christopher thing. Nolan explanation, the clear explanation oh, yeah. <laughs> of why something is happening. Well, if you think about, uh, you know, Inception and Tenet, there, there's a lot of exposition devoted to, here's sure, what we're going to sure, do. Sure. Now, it all here's goes what... to shit. Like, it yeah. never goes to plan. I'm but just like, thinking of the Dark Knight where it... Batman shows up everywhere for no reason, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think you understand what I'm saying. I, I see what you're saying. What you're saying. I see yeah, what you're yeah, saying. So. There's clearly a longer cut of this movie, and I hope yeah. uh, Gina Prince Brythe would get like gets a chance to deliver that. Yeah. Uh, the there's some pretty major plot developments towards the end of the movie. So we're in spoiler territory. You find out that Nawe's character is in fact v- Viola Davis's character's daughter. Mm-hmm. Dude, that, right. The- Tooth it's pretty harsh embedded yeah. in the arm that's, that's so, so hardcore yeah, hardcore dude <laughs> i know that i'm if i press this not hard enough your skin will grow yeah. over it yeah <laughs> so so gross yeah yeah but also like probably one of the only ways that you could ever confirm a fact like that in this <laughs> sure, yeah, a scar right? a scar isn't enough because they heal or they change yeah, over time exactly, so. exactly. yeah but it did you know you, you it gotta did be a, add a little bit of yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. What were you gonna say? You gotta be a time capsule, a human time <laughs> capsule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does kind of bring this into like a, a soapy territory in a way that like uh, I don't necessarily mind. I just wish that we had gotten a little bit more understanding of how Viola Davis was thinking about the whole thing because mm-hmm. even by yeah, just like they kind of are like, oh, you're you're my daughter at the end, and you know. Mm-hmm. And she, she has this moment where she like expresses like, I'm so sorry that like her, the daughter has a moment where she expresses, I'm so sorry that I came r- about as a result of all this horrifying pain that you experienced. And um, that's very like deep and profound thought. Uh, but that's like literally like two mm-hmm. minutes before the end of the movie. The end of the like, movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I wish we had just gotten a little bit more about that relationship and how they're thinking about each other and how, mm-hmm. how they will be moving forward. Like, is it even okay for everyone to know that she's her daughter? Like, you know, given yeah. the other yeah. rules and requirements around, there's a lot. There's a lot uh, of things that, left up in the air, but also like it, it's not like she chose. She didn't choose to get pregnant. You know, like that. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I get that. That's a whole. It's a whole thing. I, yeah, I definitely felt that at the end where we we get that moment between the two of them, and um, I can't remember her name, but the 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 daughter says, uh, yeah. you know, she no, kind of blows no it up way, and goes, no no, yeah. yeah, no way, no. Uh, no, and leaves. And I'm like, we are way too late in this movie for you to have yeah. that position because well, then, then the time. battle is the next scene, right? So we they don't get to reconnect until yeah. after she saved. Yeah. And we don't have time yeah. to like yeah. give this story what it needs for you to come mm-hmm. back around. Basically, we just get them dancing at the end. It's like I I, I felt mm-hmm. like you know. I kind of appreciated the fact that it wasn't a pat. Oh, you're my mom. I'm your daughter. Yay. But also it just didn't, it felt like way too late in our story for us to push back against that too. I feel like the, the scenes of her being imprisoned um, were probably also shortened too. Like there, there was a lot of like background stuff that feels like they just skip over really quickly. Like I also really want to know more about like, that that asshole general basically like set him up more as as the villain she's fighting but right yeah 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 i mean you do get a sense that he's like pretty vicious and horrible but yeah. that's that's about Bad it dude. 
you don't you don't really he's not um you know in my opinion the best villains are the ones that you can kind of see where they're coming from at yeah least, right because no one's a villain in their own head or whatever but uh that one was more of a cartoonish villain cartoonishly mm-hmm. evil villain um just just a bad i will guy. say yeah. i think uh lashana lynch's character dies in this movie right is, yeah is og right i think she mm-hmm. dies uh and that was a genuinely shocking moment because mm-hmm. i think movies like this the audience when you're watching you kind of form these rules in your head about like mm-hmm. oh these are the protected characters like none of these people will die and Lashana Lynch to me felt like one of those characters like I didn't expect that mm. she would she would go and so when she dies it was a genuinely shocking moment for me towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. and I like when a movie is willing to kind of take chances yeah uh well with... well staged too like that escape so close so close to escaping like yeah really well done that's where they give you the plan by the way she lays out a whole plan like Hey, yeah, yeah, that was good. We're, we're gonna that be... was, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm looking for, right? That was some good, good shit, in my opinion. It's when good. She, the time, and, yeah. uh, and she like lays it out, and then like you're like, oh, wow, this is actually thrilling, because we've never mm-hmm. seen anyone... Like It's rare to see something like this take place in a film, where yeah, they're on yeah. the you know the slave trading situation, and then they like break free, mm-hmm. and you're like, yes, go for it. And you want them to succeed so badly, but it doesn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, a, it's a heartbreaking I... moment, really well done. Yeah. I do hope we get to see the longer cut of this movie because there's enough good here. Certainly more of the good than in like the theatrical cut of the Kingdom of Heaven. And I think the extended cut of that movie is fantastic. is a masterpiece. The theatrical doesn't make any sense. At least this movie like has enough for you to latch on to, even in its current hacked up form. I also want to say like um, I, I've had I've heard interviews with Gina Prince Bythewood too, like how that relationship between, you know, uh, Viola Davis's character and Nawe like that reflects something in her life too like that whole speech is a very personal thing that was something she had hoped her birth mother would say to her when she met her for the first time and she did she said the exact opposite basically so <clears throat> there there is like a real personal connection to this movie that i can feel through it as mm-hmm. well so i'm just i'm glad this is being successful i'm glad it's like generally getting well reviewed because i want gina prince bythewood to like make whatever she wants uh, old guard 2 is happening but i want more and more for her because she's a great like looking at this movie Great action director, but also action with attention to characters, which is a hard thing to do and not something we see very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, curious what you guys thought of John Boyega in this movie. Uh, my wife, who I watched this movie with, didn't care for that character mm-hmm. uh, just because he is so lacking in gravitas compared to Viola Davis. For me, I didn't <laughs> mind that because I thought that was actually the point. Yeah, like, he, I, he I, is I thought, like a young, inexperienced yeah. king. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of my I, sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that is the point. Yeah. I, yeah. I I like the uh, the progressive polygamist is is pretty uh, his, super progressive. Uh, it is very yeah. much coming to America. Like his whole <laughs> when he waking up, uh, greeting all the wives and everything too. Like he is relishing that the clothes and that's you know that position and everything. So at least he's having fun with it. There is a scene they have at the end where he basically tells um, Viola Davis's character she can't she cannot go rescue those other soldiers. Where that feels like it comes out of left field because otherwise he's been good to her and he's been like supportive of of the soldiers and everything so that it feels like the writing of this movie like also in addition to being chopped up like some things are just a little clunkier than they need hmm. to be yeah interesting i didn't i didn't mind that i i, I felt like they had done a good enough job of setting mm-hmm. him up where he is his character is an interesting one because yeah mm-hmm. he's he's progressive but 
Uh, he's open to new ideas, but he also has strong opinions on how things should be done. For you know, sure. that's kind but of he's never sense. been threatening towards Viola Davis. Like we've never seen right. him be threatening we, well, towards we've never her seen them or disagree. Yeah. We've never seen them yeah. disagree on what the best course of action is. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, that w- that was a surprising moment. But I think mm-hmm. I think you know these kind of disagreements happen all the time. You know, people may be shocked to know that sometimes we on the podcast disagree on oh, things yeah. on yeah. occasion. Um, I know it's 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 shocking, um, but yeah, it, it felt to me like this would be like a fairly standard disagreement that might happen, and uh, it, it I didn't felt a little it felt a little more than standard. It was more like if you do not do what I'm saying right now, like it's yeah. it's like oh she is she is exiled. Like it it was a pretty mm-hmm. hefty conversation, so that one just mm-hmm. kind of hit me a little different for that character at least. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yep. Any other thoughts on this movie, Jeff? Any other uh, sort of I think you you had some scenes you wanted to refer to in the spoiler section, but I, I, we might uh, have I mean, already hit them all. Yeah, I think we hit we hit them. I, it was you know it was specifically that stuff at the beginning that just felt like it was really coming out of left field and wasn't. Yeah, what what, up. what else there were you, was on your mind? I'm um, struggling to come up with another example. The the one that uh, stood out to me was the the gunpowder exploding yeah, as yeah. a prank. Mm-hmm. It just you know I I hit that as well. But I I feel like there was two or three other moments at the beginning where later on I went that was clearly a setup. Mm-hmm. that wasn't itself set up it just was yeah. like left in because they needed it as a as a puzzle piece to unlock this stuff later on but the the organic material around it that mm-hmm. made it would have made it feel like it's just part of the story uh had to be cut out mm-hmm. and i don't know that to be true it just felt that way um, i think i think my biggest issue with the movie honestly is that there is no clear protagonist in my opinion you have multiple protagonists and I do think that the movie suffers because of that a little bit. And you, there's many movies true. that can have. Yeah, I know. Mm. I know. You know, this is not going to be a popular opinion amongst most people. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they're both equally like. Um, uh, Nawe is clearly like the audience surrogate, and I think like for the first part of the movie, mm-hmm. I, yeah, you think she's a protagonist, but yeah, the yeah. movie is also the woman king. It's called the woman king. I think you're viewing a lot of the movie from Viola Davis's perspective as well. Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. think the movie suffers because that split perspective a little bit, but it sounds like you both disagree and that's completely fine. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it, we are, the, it is the woman King because we are in awe of that character. We, mm-hmm. you know, she is, she is the, the, the strongest force in the film, but I, I don't believe she's the protagonist. I don't think we are inside the woman King's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not inside Viola Davis's story. We are inside, always story and we're, we're it's like two different stories and we're towards the that's end what I'm saying. like yeah. i think i think we're in both of them and i think the movie yeah. it's i it's love an juggling issue. multiple things i love it yeah. so yeah <laughs> we can also, walk you know, and chew gum at the same time that's fine yeah i don't think we talked enough about the action sequences the movie starts with a pretty kick-ass action Beautiful. sequence yeah uh yeah. and uh, there are a number of pretty awesome uh just purely visceral action sequences very brutal mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't pull any punches and Honestly, you know, the movie's uh, a challenge for the movie is to make you believe that the five foot whatever yeah. <laughs> uh, women will be able to stand up against these these hulking uh, adversaries that they're fighting. And it really does a good job convincing you that they mm-hmm. are worthy combatants, you know, and, and just terrifying. The first sequence does such a good job of making them feel terrifying yeah mm-hmm. um, it's almost like a horror movie of them just appearing in the middle yeah. of the night soundless uh gene prince brightwood does this thing where it's like there's a lot of assistive there's a lot of assists 
in here, which I really like. The old guard did that as well, too. Like in the middle of a thing, it's not just you doing a cool choreographic thing. It's you leaping off of somebody who's bending over because they just shot a gun. It's like continuous. It's like combos. It's action combos. And I do enjoy seeing that. But it's also people colleagues helping each other right it's not just about you being the star it's about we are in this battle for the death and i'm gonna do all this cool stuff and if i take a breath and like i see somebody behind you i'm gonna do something um it's it's just like so it's so dynamic there's so much going on and i also like that i could always see what was happening too uh i think in the bigger battles it gets a little more like hectic but even then it's still very clear to see what's going on but in the more like standalone fight sequences wide shots not too many cuts like just just give me that give me action i can see and this movie definitely delivers it, it as i sat there watching this film i did my mind wandered a bit to wondering what it was really like you know for mm-hmm. hundreds of years of human history all wars were fought hand to hand melee right up in your grill and for as many movies as we've seen trying to depict that Mm-hmm. I I doubt seriously any of them have really got what it must have actually been like, you know. And I I, I can't. I, obviously, this movie heightens it and makes it it feel more cinematic and mm-hmm. and choreographed to a certain extent. Or I mean, choreographed is perhaps the wrong word, but you know, uh, balletic and 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 powerful. But it has beats, right? It has clear beats as you're talking about Davinci. We see these these moments happen. I suspect. In real wars like this, it's just got to be chaos, it's chaos, right? It's just madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just, I yeah. can't imagine what that must have been like as a human being, mm-hmm. part of that where you don't even know who's on what side half yeah. the time. You're just yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't think there's ever been a movie that I felt really conveys what it really must have yeah. been like, I you feel know, like for th- so much is- of human history up there at least for a lot of the big epics but we also think of like the the opening battle of saving private ryan or something too like there's just the 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 sheer insanity of what's happening around you mid-battle uh this movie certainly captures some of that while also being very clear and showing us what's happening too yeah i think one of the most powerful moments for me in the movie was towards the end of the movie when the main love interest guy i guess whatever his name is uh-huh. Um the Fabio guy that you referred to earlier. Brazilian Fabio, yes. Yeah, Brazilian Fabio. Um he's like having a crisis of conscience mm-hmm. at the end of the movie and My slave trader buddy... friend is bad? Yeah, his... <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, exactly. Like I mean, you're 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 making light of it, but yeah, it is, you know. That that is his realization even though his mother could was be also a weakness of the movie yes. that he has a realization <laughs> at the end there. Yep. And uh and Every like his slave trader friends like getting all the men onto this little boat, and you mm-hmm. know if they sail off, like their lives are forfeit basically. Yeah, and uh, and then he like frees them all, and then these guys all like descend upon this guy and um, drown him. And I was just like, they rip him it limb from really, limb. Yeah, it's it's like a really sort of uh, they all behaved very reasonably in my opinion. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, fully justified, fully justified. Yeah. But I'm just like, it's like wow, what a like. You, you really sense like the life and death in that one scene, you sense like the yeah. life and death stakes of what's happening in this, in the sequence right. in a way that, um, you know, the rest of the movie also, you get that sense, but like, it's, it's, you know, like hacking and slashing and, but that's just like, we're stopping ourselves from being sold into slavery. It's like a super mm-hmm. powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thought that was very, very effective. Anyway, at the end of the day, 
It's really impressive that Gina Prince-Bythewood made a movie. And that's going to bring us to the end of our conversation about The Woman King uh, and this episode of The Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from uh, Tim McEwen. Check out his bands, The Midnight, as well as Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plug music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week, you know, sometimes we talk about movies because we're like, this is going to be awesome. Woman King, one of those examples. Sometimes we talk about movies because we think it might not be so awesome and it might be interesting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, And next week's movie is one such choice of the latter. Uh, but yeah, we are going to be talking about Don't Worry Darling next week. I don't really have confidence that this movie is going to be good, but I have confidence that our conversation about it is going to be good. I think it's going to be fascinating <laughs> to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tune in next week to the Filmcast for our conversation about Don't Worry Darling. Olivia Wilde's new movie uh, should be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>